0: It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: You're listening to episode 185 of the Marathon Running Podcast, In this episode, we're gonna talk about prehab to avoid rehab. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational. And let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey runners and welcome to episode 185. My name is Letty. My name is Ryan. And we are the hosts of the Marathon Running Podcast. Thank you for tuning in if you're new and thank you for tuning in if you're a long-term listener.
0: Thank you for listening. Well, I love hearing the good stories or when somebody says they enjoyed our podcast or got something out of our podcast. It really makes me feel great. I love doing this because of that. So what are we talking about today?
1: So, so today, Ryan, we're going to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves.
0: You like that. I do. I think that's the second time you said it.
1: I know. And this time I'm supporting it with the song.
0: I'm excited because we get to talk to Brody Sharp. So people that don't know, he was on the podcast a long time ago. He's from Australia, right?
1: Yes. He's a physiotherapist. He has his own podcast, has his own practice. He's blown up over the years. I think everyone knows Brody Sharp. He's really good. You liked him. He's approved by Ryan, who's a doctor himself. And say, Ryan, why why do you support Brody Sharp's practice and viewpoints?
0: The stuff that he's said has all been what I've also read in literature about how things are progressing or just being more up to date with things. So, I mean, it sounds like, again, I haven't looked into everything he said, but it really sounds like he knows what he's talking about and he's up to date with things. So I, I like that.
1: Yeah, he does a lot of research and he always has a supporting argument, which I personally like to. coming from a legal background. So I agree with that. He also has an Australian accent, which makes his language speaking skills attractive to the listener, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of cool. I think as physicians generally too, we tend to fix people once they're broken, Um but we don't focus enough on preventative care in everything. And so I think it's really a good episode to try to help people understand you know what they can potentially do to prevent an injury from happening because that's much better than getting the injury and trying to fix it afterwards
1: exactly and that's exactly what we're talking to Brody about we're talking to him about you know basically (laughs) again how to check yourself before you start a new training cycle how to do some sort of assessment where you are. Then we talk about exercise types that you can or should do that help your flexibility or if you even need that and all that stuff. Sorry, Ryan, my brain is not there.
0: So your brain's not there because you just got back from a running event and it seemed like a whirlwind of excitement and fun.
1: Yes, and you'd think, Ryan, that I leave town without you and the kids and I'm staying in a nice hotel room and I would get sleep and I didn't. Which running event was that? The running event. (laughs) So if you want to look it up, it's actually called therunningevent.com.
0: So I haven't gotten the full recap yet, but it wasn't a race at all, right? It was actually more related to products and stuff? Yeah. So it's an expo. And you know I love expos, but it's an
1: expo with all the brands. And it's for vendors, kind of like a trade show. They showcase what products they have now and will have next year and the people that attend this expo are usually running stores or other industry leaders
0: so basically it was an expo for expos it sounds like your dream <laughs> it quite was have you thought about giving up the running aspect and just expoing
1: you know i kind of did think about it being so great because there was no race in it but it's actually a lie there was a there was a 5k that uh, the running event put on for the attendees.
0: They don't want the participants to be away from too long. Yeah, <laughs> just to survive. <laughs> <the back game.
1: laughs> and it took place on a military base. And there was also a cross-country championship race happening um, so we got to watch that, which was really cool, before we headed back to the expo. <laughs> Some of the brands that sponsor athletes had their athletes there for appearances. So there was Des Linden, Nia Adkins, Mepka Flesky, even guess who? Who? Nike brought in Calvin Kiptum, the world record holder of the marathon.
0: Interesting. So we're not going to recap the whole running event, but you can go to Letty's Instagram and find more details there. Um also if you would like to hear more, let us know so in the future we can add and discuss more about it.
1: Yes, perfectly said, Ryan. We're at running event on Instagram. I've posted stories all throughout the weekend, which are now gonna be on a highlight called TRE if you want to check it out. And like Ryan said, hopefully you will be able to put some videos up on
0: YouTube. So you want to get into the discussion with Brody Sharp?
1: Yes, let's do that. So without any further ado, we're now gonna play our conversation with Brody Sharp.
2: I'm doing well. How are you today?
1: Good. It's It's been a while.
2: I know. I know. It's good to catch up.
1: Lots of changes in your life, right?
2: Yes. Yes. I'm a dad. I have a slightly longer beard now. I have slightly longer hair. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, very subtle differences.
1: I'm glad you're back. And um, yeah, so today we're going to talk about how to prehab to avoid rehab.
2: Yeah. Looking forward to it. It's a good topic.
1: Yeah. So let's, let's kind of talk about that. So what's the underlying philosophy? Why do we need to focus on prehabilitation?
2: I think it, well, unfortunately we've found ourselves in a sport where the injuries are extremely common. Um, We have, it's pretty much like, you know, up to 50% of all runners per year, sometimes up to 80% of runners per year will be injured and It's Once you are injured and it severely disrupts your training, severely disrupts any momentum or progress that you get, um, it's just sensible to say, okay, well, what can I do? What steps can I make? What can I implement to reduce the risk of injury so that I don't encounter these big disruptions? Because if we know anything about getting better, getting better marathon times, becoming faster, running further with with less risk of injury it's consistency it's doing it's trying to stay on the track it's trying to stay consistent with your training month by month year by year and that's how we get better but if it's disrupted constantly every two three months with an injury that has to yeah that dictates how much you can run how fast you can run all those sorts of things then you know disrupts momentum if you're constantly in that boom bust injury cycle which i know a lot of runners are in and It just halts that consistency. And so it only makes sense to try to do things as possible, do things that we can to prevent injuries, in other words, doing prehab um, to prevent encountering an injury and then having to backpedal from there.
1: That makes complete sense. And yeah, so we know it is important. And let's just start all over, right? So most people finished their fall marathon and are now looking at starting a new cycle, maybe a cycle for a spring marathon. So then is there some sort of assessment that you can do for yourself prior to starting this marathon cycle so you know what type of exercises you should be doing?
2: I guess it would depend on the individual. I guess the first thing would be to self-reflect if we're not necessarily an assessment per se, but if you were to self-reflect on how the last marathon cycle went, then we could have a bit more of a tailored approach. So like the first thing would be injuries in the last marathon cycle. Okay. What injuries did I encounter? If any, what niggles did I encounter? If any, were there any sore muscles or was it one side? Was it the left or right side? Was it the calf or the hip or any of those? Um, If you did encounter an injury, then we already know a potential area that needs to be worked on. And then we can find the appropriate exercises and strength exercises to help fortify or make that vulnerability as resilient as possible for the next marathon cycle. Uh, But if you didn't, if you didn't have any injuries, um, you can do some things that are like strength based exercises um, to see if there are any potential weak blinks in your in the chain um if you it could be just as simple as like at home doing hopping on one side um i tend to look at someone's quality of their hopping so if someone was to hop for 30 seconds on the right side hop for 30 seconds on the left side does it feel fluent how quickly can they rebound their how apprehensive are they to isolate that movement how high can they jump if you can also do another test for height where you're doing hops for height and see how much you can produce force in that Um, because that just overall looks at the strength and capacity of your calf and Achilles and foot, plantar fascia, sometimes a bit around the knee. Uh, But if you compare right to left and you see there's an obvious difference from right to left, we can say, okay, why is that? Is there an injury that we're sort of, a previous injury and we're sort of apprehensive to load that structure? Is there some weakness there? Is there some mobility issues there? Um, I do put onto social media sometimes, um, a single leg sit to stand test where you sort of sit in a chair that's at a height where your knees are bent at 90 degrees, and then you just have your arms straight out in front of you and you try and stand up from that seated position on one leg. So, uh, one leg would be hovering in the air, try and stand up, sit down, see what the control is like, see if you can do, or see how many of those you can do and then compare that to the opposite side. Um, so we're looking at the strength of the hips and knees and balance, control, and all those sorts of things. And if you can only do five on one side and you can do fifteen on the other side, okay, why is that? Um, these are there's not really a lot of good evidence to to sort of make a correlation to say, okay, you're at risk of injury if you do have these discrepancies. But it only just makes sense that if there is a, a big discrepancy between one and the other, you sort of want to uh, iron those out a bit and then we can easily do some single leg exercises in the gym. If you do have access to a gym, gym equipment, I would say a prone hamstring curl machine or like a knee extension machine where you just sit in the machine and sort of um, apply resistance to straighten out your leg, see how much you can do, see how heavy you can lift from right to left and a single leg calf raise machine, how much weight can you do? Three sets of 10, how heavy can you make that? And, just trying to work out those strength deficits, if there are any, um, because if we do these single leg tests, we compare to how the quality is, what the range of movement is like, how many sets and reps you can do from right to left. Then, if there are like ten percent, if there's more than ten to fifteen percent difference from the right to the left, you'd want to spend time ironing out those differences in order to, you know, have yourself quite balanced and make yourself as resilient as possible
1: probably assure you that most runners have some sort of difference between, you know, how high we can jump with one leg versus the other. And um, yeah, so with that, let's talk about what are the most common injuries that potentially could arise if you don't do any strength training in runners.
2: Yeah, well, we essentially just fall back to what are the common, the most common running related injuries, I would say uh, knee pain or patellofemoral pain is what we usually call it. Uh, Is the most common, which is essentially just pain around the kneecap. If you have pain around the borders or the undersurface of the kneecap that's kind of hard to localize, and you have pain with squatting or stairs or um, lunging and those sorts of movements, you know, it's going to most commonly be patellofemoral pain. Um, We know tendon injuries are quite common. So an Achilles tendinopathy or a high hamstring. Tendinopathy can be quite common. Muscle strains, I'd say, maybe a calf strain might be, or plantar fasciitis is also uh, a common one. Shin splints are also quite common in runners. And then we get the other kind of injuries that are less picked up. I think stress fractures are very, very late to accurately get diagnosed. And you can have a stress fracture in your foot, in your shin, in your femur, in your hips or pelvis. that can arise in a number of locations. Um, and then there are some other less common ones in there, we could there's a list of, you know, 10, 15 of them, but I'd say they'd be the most common ones.
1: Okay. Okay, yeah. We've heard about all of them. So for the runner that is in an ideal situation that doesn't have too much of a discrepancy between both sides, left and right, and who has a new training cycle coming up? What are some habits or practices that you recommend this person implement along with their running as they build up their base in order to prevent any injuries in in said um basis that we just talked about?
2: The reason why most runners will get injured, the vast, vast majority of running-related injuries is due to a disruption or Doing something too soon, doing something that's so abrupt that it exceeds their capacity to adapt and get stronger and, you know, become more resilient because of it. Because as we train, we push our limits, our runs get longer, maybe some sessions they get a bit faster, our squats get heavier, uh, all those sorts of things. We're sort of pushing our capabilities and stimulating our body so that it sort of says, well, that was a workout, let me try and get stronger next time. Cause I can tell that you're, you're wanting me to get stronger. And so that's how the body adapts. We like to chal- challenge ourselves, but when we do it too much that the body has an inability to recover from that workout and we do something different again, we do something different again, and we sort of continue to push beyond our capabilities. That's when we start breaking down, getting sore, um, tendons start getting sore, bones start getting sore and joints and all those sorts of things. And so, if we wanted to say okay what are some ways that we can reduce our risk of injury in our best way possible what philosophies and um principles or habits do we need there are a couple of things one is to make sure that we avoid any abrupt changes so progressing your running is perfectly fine it just needs to be done in a sensible amount um build up gradually and avoid abrupt changes. And abrupt changes doesn't necessarily need to be mileage, doesn't necessarily need to be speed. It could be things like shoes. It could be things like terrain. It could be things like um, something in your strength training routine or fitness classes or cross training and those sorts of things. Anything that's a real severe abrupt change leaves you open to the body saying, well, that was way too much. Let me start getting sore so that you have, it's a warning sign that you're doing too much and we need to Settle things down. We can be a little bit preventive, like very generally speaking, um, progressing your mileage by about 10 to 15% per week is okay for most. So, you know, those guidelines are there, but has their limitations. Um, your intensity distribution can be a nice habit to follow if you want to reduce your risk of injury. So, most people are familiar with the 80 20. Rule, which is 80% of your entire weekly workouts should be done at a very, very low intensity, something that's very easy, conversational pace, um, zone two type of stuff. That should be 80%. And so that's leaving 20% to push into harder efforts. And usually that's a, a good balance for most as a good rule of thumb to reduce your risk of injury. And then we also have strength training. Strength training um, is a good way for you to remain robust, keep your capacity high in your tendons and bones and muscles and things so that when you go out for a run, you have greater capacity to withstand training loads. And then that can reduce your risk of injury as well.
1: Okay, great. So let's talk a little bit about Core training and maybe talk about how important it is to have a strong core for runners.
2: Yeah. uh, I haven't come across any research that's really compelling when it comes to to core exercises. I don't know if you're how big you are on core exercises, you probably don't want me answering this in this type of fashion. But what where I sort of stick to it is if you're doing single-leg exercises, if you're doing single leg calf raises or lunges or even single leg deadlifts, or even if you're doing double leg, like squats and lunges, you're activating your core. You're you're getting stronger core muscles and stronger back muscles and those sorts of things. Um, How strong we need to be with isolating core muscles, say with like planks and sit-ups and those sorts of things. um, Jury's still out on whether that can help reduce risk of injuries. I know there's been one study done that's looked at runners' collegiate runners and their plank times and side plank times and couldn't re- couldn't find a correlation between running related injuries and someone's plank time so the stronger they could hold that plank for or the longer they could hold that plank for they seemed to get injured at the same rate that being it was a very small design i think there was only like less than 40 participants in that study and had its limitations. But um, that's the only thing that I've ever come across in my um, things. But just based on principles, if someone was getting low back pain with running, if someone was getting um, like a side strain with running, I would definitely increase their capacity with some isolated core exercises. But from what I've seen so far and what I've come across functionally speaking as well, um, I don't think people really need to dedicate too much time With doing isolated core stuff, I think they'd be perfectly fine with having their core muscles um, spontaneously activating and getting stronger with things like something that's more functional, like box jumps or like lunges or those sorts of things. That's where I sit, but, you know, there could be research that comes out next year that totally changes my mind. So I'm still yet to be absolutely convinced.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, perhaps it's not – for injury prevention purposes, but perhaps having a stronger core would just help you hold your running form for longer and then just lead for, I guess, less fatigue and better times? Well,
2: possibly. Um, there could be things say I probably I couldn't say for certain because I haven't really come across anything. I guess if someone's posture was really uh negatively affected by the end of their long run or by the end of their marathon, if they find that they're really struggling to hold up their form or if they start getting say back pain upper back pain shoulder pain from trying to hold that position for for longer um you know uh that's definitely going to have limited it's definitely going to hinder your performance especially if you're slouched and slumped and you can't get a lot in a lot of oxygen we obviously need a lot of um we need for vo2 optimization we need some you know obviously to be effective with how we breathe in and receive that oxygen. Um, If someone was running and they were limited by other things like their legs giving out or anything else, and they can look at themselves crossing the finish line or towards the end of their marathon, they can find that their posture is still okay. I would say it's probably less of a priority, but you know, that's why it's each their own. Every, every run is different has their own limitations.
1: Right, right. Okay, good. And I guess along those lines, I'm going to ask you about flexibility. How important is it to be flexible as a runner for injury prevention? Or could that backfire that if you are maybe too flexible, you're more likely to be injured? Or how does that all play out?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a touchy subject. Um, I have looked into a fair bit of the research. And as a blanket statement, for most runners, um, flexibility or being more flexible will not reduce your risk of injuries won't necessarily increase your running performance if you are more flexible it won't make you a better runner Um, if we fall back to what i was saying before about injuries or why we get injuries we get injuries for doing too much too soon so doing too much load running too far too fast too many heels lifting too heavy strength training or like cross training too intense beyond our capabilities to adapt. That is irrelevant compared to how stiff or how flexible you are. Um, And if you were doing a task that required a large range of movement, like if you're a gymnast or a dancer or something like that, maybe there's room to be said that you need to be more flexible. Otherwise, it'd increase your risk of injury because you need to achieve a large range of movement. But running, you don't need to go through a large range of movement. Yeah, you have to extend your hip 15 degrees. Yes, we have to dorsiflex our ankle. We need some ankle mobility. We need some hip mobility. We need some lower back mobility. But it's not a lot. Um, there would be a very, very small percentage of the population, maybe five to ten percent, who are so stiff that it impacts their biomechanics. It actually, like, if their ankle is so stiff that they can't achieve the adequate uh, dorsiflexion, and as a result, it tends like they have to cave their knee in or drop their hip or make some sort of compensations compensations for the movement to be achieved, then definitely I would focus on mobility, flexibility to restore the range of movement necessary for the task of running. But if we look at the research, we look at flexible runners versus non-flexible runners, they're all injured at the same rate. Um, there's not much to be said for that. And only because like, if we know anything about injuries- say it makes sense runners don't go through a large range of movement and injuries are due to an abrupt change in load not necessarily flexibility
1: right all right cool and since we're already there let's talk about stretching i know you and i have talked about it in the past some people do it some people make them feel better what's your position has anything changed about the importance of stretching pre-run post-run
2: um, not necessarily. when it comes to the research, the research is exactly the same. My opinion slightly changes based on um how I've seen runners respond to stretching. so if we look back on the research, you'll see that for a recreational runner for an endurance runner, stretching beforehand doesn't do anything to reduce the risk of injury, doesn't do anything to increase your running performance um But if you are doing very ballistic, high-intensity sort of stuff, you'd want an appropriate warm-up. You wouldn't want to just go straight into doing high-interval stuff or strides or heel sprints or repeats and those sort of things. You'd want to do some form of stretching, some form of dynamic stretching, some form of, like, warm-up where you're progressively working through different speeds so that you're more prepared for that task. Um, But I do know- So while the research shows that it doesn't help or aid running performance or aid sort of, um, or reduce your risk of injury, people feel really good after doing stretches and that's not everyone. It's some people, um, but might make them feel a lot better. And so we can't say, don't do it. Don't say it's a waste of time because we know that it does have a lot of positive benefits subjectively for people. And that's always a good thing. If they're feeling better while they run, they have a better experience while they run. If they feel better after a run because they feel like they're achieving something with some foam rolling or some stretches and those sorts of things, then that's always a good thing. If they feel like stretching afterwards, after run actually helps them calm down and unwind mentally, that is also a very positive thing as well because we want the body to recognize, okay, we're in a less stressful state. We're in a more calm, relaxed state and that's a greater opportunity to enter recovery mode and that enhances the adaptation process and so if someone does find a mental relief from stretching foam rolling cooling down those sort of things then there's true positive benefits for that as well
1: perfect all right so now to the million dollar question um let's talk about the routines runners should implement ideally into their runs so what are we talking about? How many times a week should we be doing any kind of strength exercises and for how long?
2: I would say if it comes to strength training, we'd want to strength train twice a week. Depends on the type of strength that you're doing. But if you are wanting to improve as a runner, if you're wanting to get stronger, run faster marathons, run faster 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons. You want to invest some time in slow, heavy load that's progressive in nature. And so I'm talking about squats. I'm talking about deadlifts, lunges, and calf raises. They're four exercises that I think every runner should incorporate um, because it incorporates like those main muscle groups required for running. And I'm not talking about body weight or low weight, high reps. Like three sets of fifteen or three sets of twenty that are that runners are very very good at and therefore gravitate towards. I'm talking about getting outside your comfort zone, building up those exercises that's safe and appropriate. Get used to doing the technique and the the movement, and gradually build on those weights. But eventually, you want to start doing heavier and heavier and heavier. You want to be doing heavy squats, um, heavy deadlifts, heavy lunges, heavy calf raises, and being progressive with it, always work at getting stronger. Anything else would just be based on like what injuries a runner has. If someone has had a long history of say knee pain, um, then we do something else to make the knee more resilient. We might do step ups or we might do Bulgarian split squats, or we might do something that um, helps fortify that area in particular. But for every runner out there, Squats, deadlifts, lunges, calf raises would be the four that I would include and amazing research, really extensive research to show that that can help increase your running performance. Very, very hard to conduct a study to show those types of exercises can reduce your risk of injury. There hasn't been any research yet or any compelling large systematic reviews that have come to that conclusion. But if we know anything from the injuries themselves, and if we know anything about what causes injuries, it's all about, you know, we want to raise the capacity of those tendons, and we can only do that by doing slow, heavy strength training and a very structured, systematic running training. So, in relation to the strength training, twice a week, if you're doing the the heavy stuff, try not to gravitate towards the little and often. Some people would do like the body weight squats and the body weight um, or like wall sits or body weight calf raises, and they end up doing those three or four times a week. You wouldn't necessarily reap as much reward as you would doing twice a week and getting heavier with those exercises.
1: Okay, perfect. And you kind of touched on it. So I just want to briefly explain how these make you stronger. So you said, you know, it increases the capacity of the tendons. And obviously, this builds muscle. Is that how that makes you stronger, or maybe talk about the science a little bit?
2: A few reasons. Um, when it comes to, you know, tolerating more load, your tendons, they get stronger. Your muscles, they get stronger. Your, even your bones get stronger by applying heavy load and it's waking up your adaptation system to something that's completely different to running. And so another way it does it is by building on other qualities, other muscle qualities that help carry over into running performance. For example, we want to be an efficient runner. If we want to be an efficient runner, we need to be quite stiff. We talk about being a stiff spring. We don't want too much movement. We don't want too much up and down movement. When we plant on the ground and take off, we don't want too many things bending and too many things um, you know, moving. We want to be an efficient spring where we're contacting the ground, we're absorbing the load and we're taking off in like a a minimal amount of movement. In order to do that, you need really stiff tendons. I'm not talking about stiffness like when you overload an Achilles and it feels really stiff. I'm talking about um, just being rigid, its ability to produce, to withstand and produce force, and our tendons get really stiff, really efficient, and carries over to a lot of good running efficiency when we do slower heavy load. And um so you become a more efficient runner. We also build on the muscle quality. So the muscle, the muscles themselves get bigger like the fibers themselves can withstand more and produce more force because we're, putting it through that quality. You won't become big and bulky like a gym goer. Um, a lot of people's fears is putting on too much muscle mass. And if you're running three plus times a week, if you're only strength training twice a week and your diets tailor that to that of a runner, um, you you might put on a little bit of muscle if you need it, but you definitely won't become big and bulky and stiff and rigid like everyone's fears. Uh, you won't turn into a, a, a big, massive you know bodybuilder body doesn't work that way. But um, yeah, that's a lot of people's apprehensions, but hopefully that helps answer your question.
1: It does. Absolutely. Um, Thank you so much. I appreciate this. So we have those four exercises, squats, deadlifts, lunges, and calf races, and um, we'll go from there. We'll recommend that. And then can you tell our runners how they can reach you if they want to learn a little bit more or maybe follow you on YouTube and see what's going on, what else you have in store for them?
2: Of course, yes. So I do have the uh, Run Smarter podcast. It's been on for a long time now. It's you know three hundred plus episodes, and can seem quite daunting for a lot of people if they come across so many episodes. I do recommend if you search the Run Smarter podcast, the f- the first ten episodes are ten universal principles to reduce our risk of injury. Um, so start there, and then you can just scroll through and see what um, titles best suit you. And yes, I am. Um active on youtube as well so run smarter with Brody sharp is the channel if you wanted some more visual explanations of how to train when to train how to do squats deadlifts um all those sorts of things so it depends how you like to absorb your information there's places you can go
1: perfect brodie sharp our favorite physiotherapist thank you thanks for having me Thank you again, Brody, for coming back onto our podcast and giving us these amazing tips on how we can roll back into a new training cycle healthily. And then also the four bonus exercises. And just to reiterate them, those are going to be heavy lifting of squats, lunges, calf races, and deadlifts.
0: And thank you for convincing my wife that weightlifting is actually good for running as well.
1: (laughs) True. I mean, I've heard it, but...
0: You've heard it from me, but when it comes to somebody else, it also reinforces it. That, that That is
1: true. But I think my hang up on not doing exercises, in all honesty, is that I want something that helps my running. And since I didn't really know what could help that, I didn't want to just do random exercises. So now that I know these are the four things, that's what I'm going to focus on. I also love that Brody said We only need to do it twice a week because that's something that's achievable without sacrificing too much of, you know, I mean, you've seen me the last couple of weeks, how much I was limping after just some light deadlifts because I'm just not used to it anymore. And if anything, I don't want anything to be taken away from my running, right?
0: Sometimes you do have to sacrifice maybe the day's run for a long-term gain
1: that's it exactly so anyway I hope that you guys learned something and make sure to check yourself before you wreck yourself and
0: <laughs> how many times are you gonna say that today
1: that's it this is it the episode's over so everyone have a great week of running thanks for tuning in for more information and marathon running news please head to www.marathonrunningpodcast.com and we'll be back next week